Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 11 and 12. And here's how it reads in the NIV, which is like, it's a, you know, the, the Bible wasn't written in English, obviously. Uh, English wasn't around. Uh, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. And so it, we're, we're going to read a translation that honestly I've read a hundred times um, in the past, but I'm not sure I actually like it very much in terms of a translation. And so, um, but let's start there. Here's what, I, what I've read a hundred times. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I, that, the beginning of that, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. I, I got to be honest with you. Um, I struggle with that a little bit because I can't stand people who are like that. Do you know what? Uh, is that terrible for me to say? Like, I, the, the, in my brain, there's a dude. I went to college at UW-Whitewater. Um, and there was a guy who came there and would like stand up and he actually brought like a soapbox and he would stand on it and he would preach in the middle of, you know, while everybody's having lunch in the middle of the, and, and man, he was a jerk. Like he was just a jerk and he was like, you know, he, but he believed he was right about everything and he was talking about all the terrible things that were, and they, all these people are going to hell and, and I'm, I'm going to guess if you talked to this guy, he would have thought, I am not lacking in zeal. I am keeping my spiritual fervor. And when I hear those words, when I hear that, that's the guy I think of. I think about the Westboro Baptist people in Florida. I think about all the people that I just don't like. The people that uh, when I go on and uh, get on an airplane, I don't like to talk to people next to me. Mostly, this is, I'm, this is about to be terrible. You guys ready? I'm a pastor. And this is... Uh, I don't like to talk to the people next to me because one of the first things they're going to ask me is, what do you do? And I'm going to have to say I'm a pastor, but I want to say, but not one of those pastors. You know what I'm saying? Because there are, I'm not saying everybody's like that, but, but there are some. And I just think, man, I, what does it mean never be lacking in zeal? Because if what it means is you got to be Everybody look at how Christian I am. Everybody pay attention to how much I believe. If that's what it is, ew. Actually, I, I, I did a, a bunch of study on the, the Greek in, in this, these two verses. And I, I don't normally spend a bunch of time in that kind of thing in a sermon. But I got to be honest, that it, when I did the study on these phrases, it, it radically altered the way that I understood these verses. And so I'm, we're going to kind of do a little bit bit of a deep dive into the original way that this was written and to whom it was written and what was it, what does it really mean? What does it mean to never be lacking in zeal? Um, and so 
That first little phrase, never be lacking in zeal, um, it actually is, the, the word king is better translated sluggish. So it, instead of never be lacking in zeal, I, I actually like it a whole lot better to say, don't be sluggish with your diligence. Now that I can get behind. You know what I'm saying? It's not about how you look in front of everybody else. It means don't get now diligence is a is a value that i i find appealing it means when when life gets hard when when things don't go the way that you want to or when things aren't turning out the way that you thought they should you put your head down and you do the work right that's diligence you think, you think that, you know, the, the series that we're in, we're calling it Rethink, when, when life doesn't turn out the way that you thought it would. And I think diligence is such a fantastic um, way to push through when life doesn't turn out the way you thought it would. Because we all think, if I just do all of the right things, that good things are going to happen to me, Right? That's, the, that's how it should be. Is that how it is? No. There are lots of people, they just do all of the right things, and one terrible thing after another keeps happening. There's no guarantee that if I just do and say and think the right things, that my life is going to turn out the way that I want it to turn out. There is no guarantee in the Bible that that's the case. Diligence says, even when life isn't turning out the way that I thought it would, I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to do the work. Never, don't be sluggish with your diligence. That's the first one. And so the second little phrase is keep your spiritual fervor. Um, and again, that doesn't really mean all that much to me. Uh, what does it mean to keep your spiritual fervor? That word fervor actually is a, is a cooking term. It's not, it's not like, hey, let's, let's like be really excited about things. It's a, it's, a, it's a cooking term, and it's a term for keeping something on a, and splatter every, but you just want it to simmer really. That's, that's the word for fervor. A better way of saying uh, uh, keep your spiritual fervor is keep your inner life on a simmer. I, I don't know if you've got a, if you think about your inner life very much, you have one. You may not know you have one. You might not even be spiritual. You might not think that you're a spiritual person at all. You're wrong. Everybody's got an inner life. It's the stuff that goes through our brains when other things aren't happening, when we're not being distracted away from it. What's going on in your life? And, and I got to be honest, there's times in our lives when our inner life is just dead. It just feels, it feels like there's nothing to it. And so um, Paul, as he's writing this to uh, the church in Rome... He's saying that there's something important about keeping your inner life on a simmer. You know, um, I love cooking. I do. It's one of, my, one of the things that really 
<coughs> I really enjoy doing. Um, but I don't like, I don't like cooking with a recipe. Anybody? Okay, how many of you guys are recipe cookers? Like, give me a recipe, I will follow the recipe, and I'll make it. So how many of you guys are like, I just want to make something, right? Yeah, come on. That's me. And I, it's almost like, like an art. And so you learn all of these things. And I'm, I, I'm, I've been teaching uh, one of my daughters to cook a little bit recently. And just, you know, uh, the understanding of what it means to, okay, if you're going to let something simmer, it's gonna, you're going to lose some of the moisture, so you're going to have, might have to add a little bit of moisture over time if you need to. But, but understanding that this, you know, if, if you put something that's supposed to simmer and you, and you turn it up too hot, it gets ugly pretty quick. It gets that nasty, filmy, gross, you know what I'm talking about? Like if you're a cook, now if you're not a cook, grow up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but, but learning, learning the right temperature to keep your inner life is super important. I, I don't know if, how many people you've met that have the wrong spiritual temperature. One, because uh, it can go wrong both ways. It can be, I, you can, my inner life isn't that big of a, just are doing, 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 filling your life with everything you can so that you don't have to deal with your inner life. You know what I'm talking about? Or on the other side, there are people, man, maybe they find Jesus or they find something spiritual or find something that they, that they really connect with and they go like a thousand miles an hour right off the bat. They just turn the fire up to 10 and they love it and it's like, yes, this is the most amazing thing and you feel really good. I don't, I don't know if you've ever, if you're a Jesus follower, I don't know if you've ever felt that. It is like a drug. You know, that high, that sense that, that Jesus is close to me. God is so good. I can see him everywhere in my life. And it's wonderful. And what I've found is that I've, I've rarely found somebody that was able to sustain that over the long haul. Because life gets hard. And then what happens is, if you're connection to God, if your inner life has to be on 10 all the time for you to feel like you're connecting with God, then when life gets ugly, you don't know what to do with it. Where are you, God? That's where we get this prayer. Where have you, where'd you go, God? And, um, and so that's why Paul is like, hey, it's important to keep your inner life on a simmer. Don't go too crazy because life is going to get hard. But don't ignore it either. Don't run from it. And then he says, serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. And that's a really nice way of saying it, but that's not really what uh, Paul wrote. Paul didn't write that you're serving the Lord. You know what he wrote? You're a slave. To the Lord. Ooh, we don't like that, do we? My, um, my dad was a preacher, and um, toward the end of his life, he got kind of obsessed with when Paul would say that he was a slave and that we should be slaves to God. Because what is it? What does that mean? It's one thing to say when it when it suits me. 
I get to do nice things that make me feel good that say I'm serving God. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul isn't saying serve the Lord when you want to. Paul is saying I am a slave to the Lord. You should be a slave to God. I'm telling you, this doesn't preach very well. Right? Yeah. Because what is a slave? A slave is someone who has no rights. You don't have any rights. Ooh, this is America. Right? We don't like talking about not having rights. Because at the core of who we are is I am free. Don't tell me I'm a slave to anybody, including God. Oh, maybe we'll say that in church. We're okay with that. But don't expect that of me outside of this place. What does it mean to be a slave to God? It means you don't have any rights. It means that we, you and I, if we're following Jesus, if we are indeed people who have given our lives over to Jesus, we don't get to make our own choices anymore. And so, this is the sense that of never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I believe it, it, it's a, a better translation is do not be sluggish with your diligence Keep your inner life on a simmer because you're a slave to the Lord. You see, Paul says that one of our duties as slaves to the Lord is to keep our inner lives on a simmer. The inner fire inside of us lit. It's, and, and what's funny is it, it's pretty clear that this is our responsibility. You know, we talk about a, a lot of things that we just put in the hands of God. I am, it is not fully my responsibility to just become the person that God wants me to be. The Holy Spirit is actually working inside of me to change me into the image of Jesus. That's, that's his responsibility. But this, this is pretty clearly my responsibility. Keeping my own inner fires lit as a slave to God. One of my responsibilities is to keep my life, the spiritual part of, the inner part of my life on a simmer. And so the question is, how? You know, like what? What does that look like? What does it mean to keep my inner life on a simmer? And um, we're, we're going to look at verse 12 because I believe verse 12 gives us the how of verse 11. Or at least I should say part of the how. Because keeping our inner, inner lives lit is a complicated, lifelong process. Um, but I, I do want to dig into verse 12 because I think he gives us three practical ways that we keep our inner life on a simmer. And I, I got to tell you, before we jump into those, uh, I just want to remind you that this is real whether you buy into the whole Jesus thing or you don't. That there is something inside of you when when you go to bed at night and you can't sleep and your mind races, that's when you live in your inner life. Do you have control of it? Is it a place that you enjoy? 
Is it a part of yourself? Is your inner life a part of yourself that you enjoy? And if it's not, if it's something that makes you nervous, if you feel like it's out of control, Paul's going to speak in to what it looks like to have an, a healthy inner life. Let's, uh, let's look at verse 12. Oh, well, they're going to give us three things. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in joyful in hope. Now, <coughs> your, your inner life is filled with a lot of competing ideas, competing thinkings. And one of the ways to clarify your inner life, Paul says, is to be joyful in hope. And hope is about the future, right? Understanding that there is, there will come a better future. And, um, you know, <laughs> it doesn't mean that that better future is around the corner. Let's be real. Sometimes we stay in the present a really long time. But uh, being joyful in hope, it reminded me of, um, of a scripture in 2 Corinthians. Uh, where, where the same writer says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Oh, that is a key, isn't it? If you're, if you're working on your inner life, he says, this idea of losing heart, giving up, feeling defeated. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. My body, oh my goodness, I helped carry a uh, washer-dryer down out of our second story uh, this, this week, and my body, my back, hates me so much. Outwardly, I am wasting away. All I have to do is look in the mirror, and I can see it. Though outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, on our inner selves, we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. Ooh, Mm, Paul, that feels a little light and momentary. Don't always describe our troubles. Sometimes they're the real deal. You talk about that family from Ukraine. I'm not sure I would have said three months ago that their troubles were light and momentary. I'll bet they sure didn't feel light and momentary to them, did they? But, that, but in light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And this is the important part. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. One of the keys to having our inner lives on a simmer is allowing ourselves, almost forcing ourselves to have an eternal mindset that this is not all that there is here in this place. When he says joyful in hope, it's understanding that the, the scene is now, it feels, man, we live in the scene, don't we? We live in what is, what I can touch and, and talk to and interact with. That's where we live and we think our bodies are screaming at us all the time. That's all that exists. But beyond that, there's something deep down inside of us that knows that what is unseen is just as important as what is seen. So we fix our eyes 
on what is unseen. And I got to be honest, having an eternal mindset is not just about someday I'm going to go to heaven, right? And I, I'll be real, I've, I've met a lot of Christians that are just waiting, uh, I call it waiting to die. Like, life sucks and then you die and you go to heaven. And so I just can't wait till God takes me, right? Yeah. I don't believe that's what having an eternal mindset is. It's not just looking forward to someday I'm going to be in heaven. I mean, I think that's a fantastic promise, and having that eternal hope is wonderful, but, but having an eternal mindset isn't just about what will happen in heaven someday. It's about understanding that there are eternal consequences to the things that are happening right now, that God is doing eternal significant things right now and we get a chance to be a part of it. Be joyful in hope. Hope for the eternal. That's the first thing. Be joyful in hope. <coughs> Second, he says, be patient, main, and the word affliction is actually a word for pressure when you're being pressed on. So remain in the pressure. When life squeezes you, when it's more than you think that you can bear, part of your keeping your inner life on a simmer is remaining in the pressure. It is fighting the urge to run from the things that are difficult in this life. You guys, um, I was a, I was a stupid kid. Um, well, okay, let me rephrase that. I was a boy. All boys are stupid. Do you guys ever do the, um, tell me I'm wrong. Okay, do you guys ever do the lighter, the hand over the lighter thing? With different, like who can hold the hand over the lighter? Alan, you did. I see it in your face. The, it's stupid, am I right? It's like a game. You have the lighter lit and you put your hand over it and how long can you, how long can you live in the pain of it? Stupid game. Except this is actually what God is saying. If you want to keep your inner life on a simmer... You, ha- you live and remain. And so um, <clears throat> when I was thinking about this, uh, we, we actually have a teaching team meeting with all of our, our team from uh, different campuses and we're talking about what we're going to preach and how we're going to talk about it. And we were in this meeting and, and my friend Walter was a part of it. Walter and his family came from Haiti very recently and he, uh, I'll tell you what, I, I've had problems in my life, but you know, all problems are relative. I'll tell you what, if there's somebody I know who knows what it means to live in the, pre- to remain in the pressure in order to keep the inner fire lit, it's my friend Walter. And he started talking about it at the teaching team, and I said, Walter, when I preach this, I'm going to make you come up and talk about it. So Walter, um, why don't you come up? And um, share with us a little bit about what it means to be patient in affliction. Keep the inner fires lit. I thank God for hard situation. And perhaps you don't know exactly what is happening now in Haiti. It's really hard over there. And one day someone called me and said that, we try several times to kidnap you, but when we approach your car, uh, always has a powerful hand that pushed me to 
take you from your car. And it was hard for me to sleep, to eat, I cannot, because the man called me several times, asked me for money to buy gun, to buy drug, and he said he will kidnap me. And at this time, I shared that with my wife, and I, my wife shared that uh, to her sister-in-law is living in Orlando. And as she explained that to her, she said, why not you don't come to live with us? She decided to receive us her home, but she, did, she doesn't have enough space in her house. And she said, you can come. We'll adjust that. I sent my wife and my daughters, and I stayed in Haiti. And after a couple weeks, I received another call again and said that, and we ask you for money, you don't care about it, we'll catch you, we'll get you, and we'll kidnap you. You know what could happen. And the man put more stress in my life, and I shared that again to my wife, and my wife uh, shared that to her sister-in-law, and her sister-in-law said, you can come too. And I came uh, to Orlando, and live with them in a very small room. Me, my wife, and my two daughters, we stayed there. And it was really hard because we don't have a job. We don't have a green card to stay there. We came with a tourist visa. Being here with a tourist visa guaranteed no job, uh, no houses. It was really hard. And at the same time, my, wo my wife fell down and she broke. It was very hard for us. No job, no good place to live. And now, whilst my wife broke her, all this part in her foot, I think that it happened because of too much stress. But, you know, I said to God, in such a situation, we don't know what to do. It's horrible for us. And I said to my wife, let us pray. We spend time in prayer. We ask God, do something for us. And at this time, I'm thinking about every friend I have here in USA. And I talk to somebody else, then they say, we can't do nothing for you. And as I knew Pastor David Clark since 15 years, and I said, let me talk to him about my situation. I explained that to you because I want you to know that in the moment of, in the moment of affliction, God is still there. When you don't see no way, when you don't see where to go through, but God is able to do something. And I talked to Pastor David Clark and he said, he talked to Herrick. Herrick went to Orlando and met me in a restaurant. We sat together. Even to eat, I cannot eat because it was terrible for, for me. And at this time, he said, Herrick told me, me personally, I can't do 
nothing for you, but I know that God can do something. We will work on your case. And we do believe God can do something. And exactly, God did something for us. It was terrible. It was hard. I don't know what you are going through, but in time of affliction, you have to count on God because God knows how to take you, to get you away from your affliction. And something is very important is to keep your fire burning, your spiritual fire, keep it burning because God can do something. I am here now. God do something miraculous for me, for my family. And I know that the same thing he has done for me, he can do it for you. I don't know your affliction. I don't know your problem. But God can do something special for you and for all of us. We are not the first one going through that, but the Bible talks about Paul, who was in affliction, but God helped him to go through the affliction. He helped me. One thing we have to know, there is a price after affliction. The price could be on this earth, and the better price will be when we will be with Christ forever. God did a miracle for me. I know that he can do it for you too. Thank you so much. You know, I didn't know Walter until we sat in that terrible restaurant that day and he didn't need a bite. Um, but I've gotten to know him since. And, uh, you know, there's, there's part of me that... <clears throat> that thinks that he's some, he's just this spiritual giant, because there's some truth in that. But I also know it's just as hard for Marisoni as, I, I think about his story where people are dying around him, where someone's threatening to kill him. There's a woman that they know this past week, uh, it was about 10 days ago, um, a family from his church who, uh, it's just lawlessness down there. He, the dad was out uh, getting supplies for a store that they own. And um, the, he, had a, he had it all in a trailer. The car that he was driving was stopped. And he was shot and killed for the stuff in the trailer. And now there's a mom and two daughters who have nothing. The only breadwinner is gone. And there's no jobs they can't go to school, and these girls are friends with Dayu and Dini here, and it it doesn't just break my heart. It's it's a it's a real immediate concern. Ten days ago, and now here they are. There, she, this mom. Can you imagine being that mom right now? You want to talk about desperation. You want to talk about affliction. You want to talk about remaining under the pressure. This is a pressure that's going to remain for a very long time. And how do you, how do you live in that pressure? 
Um, just so you know, we're going to try our best to at least send the girls to school. Um, that's going to be 1800 bucks next year for the two of them. And so if you want to help with that, come talk to me. Um, we'll, we'll get that uh, where it needs to be. But, but again, just getting the girls to school, that, that doesn't relieve the, all the pressure on this woman. And, uh, you know, you could get a check for $2,000 this week, and maybe that would feel like it would relieve the pressure. But the truth is, you'll, you'll be living under pressure. But keeping our inner fires lit, part of it is living, remaining under the pressure. So that's the second thing that Paul said. And finally, third, I'm not going to talk in prayer. That we live under the pressure, but we remember that we are not living there alone. That we will be faithful in prayer. That we'll give ourselves completely to prayer. That we'll, uh, you know, there was a, a guy, <clears throat> Brother Lawrence, wrote a book called the, a long, long time ago called the, the Practice of the Presence of God. And he, he learned what it meant to, um, if, if you're interested, man, you should read it. It's a fantastic short book. But he, he, he was learning what it meant to... Uh, to spend every minute aware of the presence of God in his life. And that's what, that's what being faithful in prayer means. Knowing that when we are in the middle of affliction, with, a, with an eye on eternity, we remain in the pressure. And we're faithful in prayer by realizing that God is in it with us. And so I'm going to... Read our verse again. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Keeping our inner lives on a simmer doesn't happen by accident. It's an intentional process that involves an eternal perspective a willingness to remain and live under pressure, and a commitment to unceasing prayer. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.